It's good news of great joy that will be for all people. You know, a major aspect of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is the giving and receiving of gifts. And each year, it is something good that we all look forward to, both giving and receiving. And each year, it can be the source of a lot of pressure and stress for all of us. And particularly the moments when materialism can seem to consume us and take over, we start asking ourselves, one another, and our family, why are we so stressed about this? Is this even worth it? You think you got too much, or you got too little, or you're waiting too late, or there's a storm two days before, and the FedEx guy can't get there, and there's all these concerns about gift giving to the point where you could get to the point where you ask, is this even what God intended for Christmas? And while I would say we should exercise wisdom in how invested we get in gifts, both financially and emotionally, the joy of gift-giving is rooted in God himself, a God who loves to give gifts to his children. The best gift of all, which was announced by the angels to the shepherds in that passage we just heard across seven different languages. And now, if we're honest, when it comes to receiving gifts, um, there are two ends of the spectrum for all of us. Uh, on one end, you could say there are the people who are very specific to their loved ones as to what they expect to get that Christmas. And they're going to send you a list. Actually, it's a list of one thing. And here's the link to that one thing. And here's a discount code to buy that one thing if you buy it before noon tomorrow. And what will often happen is that, in fact, how about, how about I'll just order it, and I'll have it shipped to your house. You just have to wrap it and bring it to our Christmas party. And then the most extreme of the spectrum is like, you know what? How about this? I will buy it. I will even wrap the gift. I will put it under the tree. I literally just need you to pick it up on Christmas morning and hand it to me. That's one way to receive gifts. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, you could say. Those are the people who always say they need nothing this Christmas. And we all know those who say they need nothing want something. <laughs> but they want their loved ones to figure it out on their own. No hints. This is on you. How much do you love me? <laughs> there's a woman, Melissa Kruger. Uh, she's an author whose devotional, Advent devotional, I read over the past few weeks. She says, the best gifts are the ones that are unexpected, surprising, and just what we needed. And in general, most Christmases, we got to choose that if we want to get just what we need, we probably won't be surprised or unexpected because we're sending the link. Or if we want to be surprised, it's likely we're not going to get what we needed. But the gift announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds, it was unexpected. It was surprising, and it's just what they needed. And I want to briefly just look at those one at a time from that passage in Luke that, again, that we just heard. Um, first, it's unexpected. And for, for starters, it was unexpected that the first people God reveals about the birth of Jesus is a group of shepherds. That announcement did not go to Caesar in Rome. It did not first go to the chief high priest in Jerusalem. It went to the shepherds working the night shift. 
Why? Why the shepherds? Well, I think at least in part, it's because of what the angels revealed. And they said, again, I bring you good news. It's good news of great joy for all people. And on some level, it was expected, especially amongst the people within Israel, within the Jewish people, that a Messiah would one day come. Virtually everyone expected that it would come purely for the Jewish people. And it would probably be the higher-ups that would find out first. That's who gets good news first. Always the higher-ups. And yet the first words of this appearance declare unexpectedly to the shepherds that this unexpected visit to announce an unexpected Savior is for all people. Um, you know, as we sit right now, um, my, my dad is here this morning. Uh, my dad retired from pastoral ministry after 41 years this past July. This is the first Christmas Eve. He doesn't have any responsibility in the service. Yeah, that's, yeah, amen. And I bring him up because I for, forever attribute this Bible study tip to him that I share with our church at least six times a year. Um, when you see all in the Bible, all means all. And if I kept quoting my dad, I'd tell you that one time he actually looked it up in the Greek. Do you know what Greek, the word for all in the Bible means in the Greek? All. And the reason why we need to say that is because that's generally not true when we say all. We tend to overgeneralize, we overspeak, we hyperbolize, but when God says all, he means all. All means everyone in this room. All means everyone in your school. All means everyone in your family, everyone in your neighborhood. All means everyone in your city. All means people from every tribe, tongue, and language. All means the shepherds working the night shift in the field. All means you. As you sit here today, did you know that when the angel said all people, he was talking about you? Even you. So not only is the unexpected that the announcement went to the shepherds, but they themselves experienced an unexpected disruption, you could say. Man, they're just going to work, aren't they? I'm just going to work. Another night, another shift, another day, another dollar. Working for the weekend. And I'm sure they, like all of us, had desires and aspirations and plans for their life. I'm sure, like all of us, they had thoughts about God and this world and their culture. Um, maybe they were religious. Maybe they weren't at all. Maybe they grew up with a religious background and grew up in a religious house, but they grew out of it as they got older. They grew more independent. They began to think more for themselves. Perhaps they feel like they evolved past the religion of their upbringing. It had its place in their life, but uh, they're over it now. But now, in the middle of the night... Unexpectedly, they have an experience with God that disrupts their life in a way they cannot deny. The sky lit up, and they encounter an angel that begins to speak to them. And then they encounter a multitude of angels that begin to sing to them, and their initial reaction is fear, and that would be my reaction too, as with yours. Because that is our reaction whenever our lives are disrupted un unexpectedly. None of us ask for disruption. We don't look for unexpected disruption. 
And if we were, it wouldn't be unexpected disruption. Fear is all of our reactions when our lives get disrupted. And it jars them out of their little world that they thought they had figured out. And it forces them to think bigger. And again, that is the same for us. For everyone in this room who would say Jesus Christ is their Savior, nobody came to that conclusion without disruption. And those disruptions, they look different for everyone. Uh, For some, maybe there is a dramatic experience in their life where God revealed himself revealed himself in a way that was so undoubtable that they actually struggled to explain to others. They actually would choose not to articulate it because they think others would just write them off. But they know there's a definitive moment in their life when God revealed himself to you and that he is real and you know. Others, perhaps it was a nagging, kind of lingering disruption that caused you to search, caused you to, uh, to reach out to other people, to talk to others, to think through this process. And you came to know God who made himself known in the midst of that search. Still others, they decided at some point in their life when they grew up to close out that chapter of their life of organized religion, to close it. But then something happened where they know deep inside that door isn't all the way shut. However that looks, God in his mercy knows that you will not consider him until he disrupts you. And one thing we remind one another here at Grace Church of often is that the greatest and primary grace upon your life is the moment you realized that you were not in complete control of your life and that you cannot save yourself. It's an agonizing moment, but a beautifully agonizing moment. So the gift of Jesus was unexpected. Uh, But second, it was surprising for the shepherds. Uh, The Savior has come. And and if you could believe that, the assumption is that the Savior who is the Christ, the one that everyone in uh, Israel has been waiting for, must be this powerful leader who showed up on the scene about to take over in the city of Jerusalem to raise up an army, to finally release them from the Roman oppression that they've been under. That must be the Messiah they've been waiting for. No. No. Angel says, here's the sign for you. You're going to find a baby. A baby. All right, well, if you can even wrap your mind around that, this must be a royal baby then. This must be breaking news for everyone. You must be telling everyone simultaneously, because we're just shepherds in the field. He must be kept in the best care by the best of doctors in the best of facilities. Um, By the way, I think we can resonate with this, that there is still in our day a fascination with royal birth announcements. Uh, Perhaps you remember that when Prince William and Kate had their first son in 2013, all the major media outlets were on baby watch here. Like, let alone in the UK, everyone was watching here. No offense to my UK brothers and sisters. I don't know why we cared so much here. And it was estimated, I read, that the birth of their son in 2013 boosted the economy by the equivalent of $630 million as people bought souvenirs and had parties to celebrate his arrival. So you're going to find a baby, but where? Still surprising. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger in Bethlehem. In fact... You know the verses that come just before the announcement. He's already been born. And no one noticed. 
And yet, this is in and of itself a declaration of the upside-down kingdom of God, which is surprising. The lowly will be raised high. The high and mighty will be brought low. Yeah, those on the outside will be brought in. And those on the inside will be driven out. The Savior of the world has been born. And right now, he's lying in a manger over in Bethlehem. It's dark outside, but a faint light has shone in the east. In due time, the sun will rise, and the darkness will be overtaken. Uh, I, I quoted a commentator last weekend in my sermon that rings true once again that the birth of Jesus is a declaration of war against sin and death. What we celebrate tonight is God's declaration of war against sin and death. And the angels knew it, and now the shepherds knew it, and Mary, his mother, to some extent, knew it. And the sign for you is a newborn infant. The gift of Jesus was unexpected. He was surprising. And last... He is just what we needed. If you were to receive a gift tonight or tomorrow morning, if your family is the Christmas Eve gift-giving type or the Christmas morning gift-giving type, you might receive a gift and you might initially think, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this? The rare moments that you get to experience the unexpected joy either later that day or maybe six months later or a year later to say, wow, that gift is exactly what I needed. How did they know? How is it that Jesus was just what the shepherds needed working the night shift? How is it what just what Israel needed? How is it what all people needed? How is Jesus exactly what you need. You know, God not only revealed himself to the shepherds through an angel, but he did not hold back from making known some pretty rich, deep theological truth about this baby in Bethlehem. He is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Christ, Lord. That is the only time in all four Gospels that all three titles are spoken at once. In the birth announcement to the shepherds, Savior, Christ, Lord. Um, I noticed it was just even the lyrics of the song that Genevieve and Tori just sang, that, that Jesus is fully human, born of a baby, born as a baby, just like all of us were. You know, if we think about this room, let alone the seven or eight billion people outside of this room right now at this very moment, there's a lot of differences in the world. There's a lot of differences you have with people. You're going to gather tonight and tomorrow maybe with family and friends. There's probably a lot of differences you have with your own family. But here's what we have in common. We were all made in God's image and we all came from a woman. Before any person in this world, no matter how rich they got, how powerful, what kind of status they got, what titles on their door, how gifted they are in this world, all of us had to come through a body of a woman and be dependent upon them for life, including Jesus, fully human. But the announcement also says that Jesus is fully God, not either or, both and, fully human and fully God. He is the Lord, the angel said. 
So if in being born of a woman, he's like everyone else in the world, being born as the Son of God distinguishes him from everyone else in the world. God the Son had it all. He had the worship of angels for all of eternity. He had the infinite love of the Father and the Spirit. He came from the splendor of heaven to the squalor of a stable. And this gift given by God himself to all of his children is the gift that proves to be exactly what we needed. Uh, I want to quote Melissa Kruger, who I referenced earlier. I want to quote her directly here. He says, um, she says of Jesus, born of a virgin, he came and lived a sinless life. Listen to this slowly. He resisted temptation. He wept. He rejoiced. He went to weddings. He made intimate friendships. He experienced betrayal. He healed. He taught. He loved. He lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death. His people wanted an earthly kingdom, but he ushered in a heavenly one. What a gift giver our God is. For in the midst of his disruption of our lives, when we realize we cannot save ourselves, he provides us the gift of his own son to provide salvation for us by going to the cross and sacrificing his life for us. And I imagine if you really wrapped your head around that and reflected on that, you would ask, what would drive someone to do that? To live the perfect life and then to die a sacrificial death. The answer is inexpressible love. Jesus says himself in the Gospel of John, Greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And this gift is for all people. And all means all. And so as we close, just as the case with gift giving tonight or tomorrow in your gatherings, a gift that is given must also be received. And the hand that receives the gift of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord is received by faith. The Bible says to confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Maybe some of you, maybe many of you came into here this afternoon like the shepherds were heading into the field for the night shift. It's just another Christmas Eve, another year, not expecting anything beyond a traditional story, some singing, not expecting to walk out any different than when you came in. And I get that. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm not saying, nor will I ever say, that the decision to turn to Jesus in faith is easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to confess that we can't save ourselves. That takes a lot of strength. It's not easy because we often search for our place in this earthly kingdom. And we work really hard. And we have a lot of dreams and aspirations on how to build our kingdom here. And so to trust in Jesus by denying that building of our own earthly kingdom, it's not easy, but it is simple. 
And I hope you know that. It is simple. It is transformative. Because Jesus is the only gift that can redeem and restore. It's simple. And it's urgent. Because after they heard from the angel, the shepherds looked at one another when the sky went dark again. And they said, let us go. Let us go and see this thing that has happened. Did you see it? It has happened. This is the declaration of the gospel. That it's true whether you believe it or not. But the invitation to come and see is there. Some of you maybe first grew up hearing that passage in the King James Version. The King James Version says, let us now go. Let us now go. Because when the Spirit reveals this to you, there is a built-in urgency. When we see that we don't write our own stories in this world. We don't decide how much time we have. We don't know how many of us will be here next Christmas Eve. And so I ask you, and I hope it comes across as uh, loving as I yearn it to, that if not tonight, when will you settle this matter in your own heart? What more do you need to see? I would encourage you to tend to that feeling in your soul that is stirring, that we become professionals at stuffing back down. And if you're not going to settle it tonight, my prayer is that when the Lord in his kindness does disrupt you, that you would remember tonight and remember that invitation that is before you, that he is drawing you near, that Jesus is the gift to be received this Christmas. For he was unexpected. He was a surprise. And he's just what we needed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening once again. We thank you for all the joy that we get to experience, not only at this service, but anticipating gatherings with family and friends, Lord. But I pray now, even now, that you would awaken faith. Father, for those who have trusted in you, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen their faith this evening. That we would walk out, maybe not expecting these emotions that have welled up, but that we would walk out knowing, Lord, that you do not deny us, you invite us in. For it's in you we can find rest. In you we can finally stop building our kingdom here and trust in you. And all these things, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.